0: Hello everyone. Today, The Student Economist is introducing a new podcast. The podcast discusses the weekly economic news globally. Each week, we'll have a different student guest who will discuss the news with the hosts, who are Arush Lal, Rohit Ramanan, and myself, Havi Ruparalia. If you would like to join us as a guest, you can fill out the form on our website. But for now, let me introduce today's guest, Saksham Sidhana. It's a pleasure to have you on today. How are you?
1: Great, Avi. Thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. Pleasure to be here. So let's begin, guys.
0: The big news over the past couple of weeks has been the UK and China tensions. Is the UK heading down the same route in regards to China? What does everyone think?
2: Well, I think it's a really interesting situation. So obviously, we know that, you know, I think one of the main, the main kind of recent for tensions is the, it's obviously the the security law, which, you know, is, is likely to be put in place in Hong Kong um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, to my knowledge. Um, and obviously our business kind of intentions in China are centred on, on Hong Kong, um, you know, over its, its, its sense of um, economic inclusivity, um, the, sh- the opportunities that Hong Kong provides, uh, and sort of the similarities to British um, British business models and uh, British business intentions, that you know, we can really achieve our objectives there. So essentially, that that the sort of the split from the EU from Brexit allowed for a sense of further engagement with other nations. But if China isn't going by what the UK wants, that it's not going, it's not adhering to the UK's true desires in business, which is a sense of inclusivity and it's the UK's true um, sort of economic models. Then I, I reckon it's. So we, we, it's certainly going past the point in our return, to be honest, um, in regards to our relations with China.
3: Yeah, I'd like to add to that. I completely agree with what Arish said. And another reason for that could be due to like, um, Huawei and the situation surrounding it. So we all know that Huawei is a big Chinese tech company and it's the second largest provider of smartphones in the world. Like Many countries are also considering using Huawei to build 5G networks to provide faster internet. But there are obviously concerns that the government is using the company to spy on foreign countries. We've seen numerous reports and incidents that have been reported as well. Um, And now the UK government has decided to order the removal of all the Huawei kits um, from 5G networks by 2027. And this is obviously cause for concern with China. And um, it looks like the golden age of UK-China relations are over, like Arish mentioned before.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with the whole Huawei thing. Um, I mean, it almost mimics what's been happening with the US over the past few months. And I think something important to note is whilst uh, the whole COVID situation has really shattered the economy over here, something we haven't really considered as citizens is the impact of Brexit and uh, the post-Brexit relations we want to be having with other countries um, once we leave the EU eventually, because we're going to need to find some sort of deal or you know some something that will help us to grow economically and provide a good standard of living for the citizens so i mean generally people thought that britain would britain would go to china and you know use their relationship with beijing to further themselves but with the current situation i have no idea they might end up going to some other countries like india or maybe some other upcoming developing nations
2: Yeah, I, I'd agree in in the sense that um, with Brexit occurring, uh, you know, we, with our we're leaving the we've left the EU kind of and we're still negotiating. But it's likely that um, sort of our worsening relationships with China, which is kind of if you look at companies like HSBC and Standard Chartered, um, you know, they've been there since colonial times. They, they've been here since colonial times, and China's kind of. It has accused uh, has accused the sort of british politicians of having colonial mindsets um so it's essentially china are trying to split with us or you know, the relationships are getting worse because of the colonial mindsets of british figures
0: so i'd just like to add you've mentioned hsbc and stan chart have been there since colonial times but some of these banks have widened their horizons. So HSBC has a major, major stronghold in Europe now. And these banks may have colonial pasts in Hong Kong, but now they're they're massive multinational corporations that could weather this storm very easily. And they've backed China in the security law.
2: Yeah, I I, I mean, absolutely. They're definitely backing China. But um, I I was just reading this week you know, there was, there's a guy at Oxford, Oxford University's China Centre um, called George Magnus, and he's he's essentially said that you know, whilst as you said, HSBC and Standard Chartered are backing the security law, it's unlikely um, that you know that will sort of insulate them because of what because of I sent essentially the danger that such you know, as you said, they've got you know they're, they're quite big in Europe. So the danger that such companies could do to the very authoritarian um, style of of China's leadership. So as you know, kind of reiterating what I said, it's kind of the politicians who might suffer here the most, almost or their their, the kind of mindsets of politicians. So,
0: how big a blow for the UK economy would a China-U.S. style trade war be? Could it weather it the same way the U.S. did?
2: I mean, it could. it it really kind of just depends on, you know, at the moment we're in a very uncertain time. You know, not too sure how things go. But I I, I think the, the the bottom line is is that you know we, we you know, lots of British students go to China. Probably more Chinese students come to Britain. So whilst this is going on, you know, this this what, whilst this hostilities rising, this, there there is always going to be kind of people going between Britain and China. So I I would kind of doubt whether a kind of, you know, a massive will be massively hit by something because I think we'll still be getting export. We'll still be able, sorry, we'll still be able to export to China. They'll still be exporting to us. Um, perhaps on a, you know, there might be a couple of tariffs or maybe a few embargoes on certain goods and services, but I don't think it will be kind of a massive thing. So yeah, I, I would say that we are we would be able to weather it um, and rely on other on other trading partners as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. The thing is, though, a couple of years ago, we had this so-called golden era of UK-China relations where you had Theresa May going on her three-day visits and George Osborne being very positive in the way he talked about the UK-China relations. And uh, what ended up happening was the UK was one of the first Western nations, I believe. Um, I think it was like third, actually, to join the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, which was a bank... Um, formed in Beijing um, in the wake of the financial crisis and what actually ended up happening is a lot of European nations like Germany and France uh, followed as the UK um, became a member of the bank and so what will be interesting to note um, as this uh, UK-China these UK-China relations change over the course of the next few months is what's actually going to happen to that Asian infrastructure bank and will we see that if the UK pulls out, suddenly you're gonna have a lot of these other European nations pulling out as a result.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's, it's not only um, uh, if UK pulls out, Europe would pull out. I would say it's pretty much the rest of the world. China's not only been pulling its strings over European nations and the UK in particular, it's, it's been pulling strings all over Asia and the world. For, the, for that instance. For example, Australia is a big one, um, especially with them considering a TikTok ban and the influence they have in that region. Aside from that, not even, even in India, because of the Kashmir uh, region conflict and the possible uh, Cold War between India and China. And uh, you could say even in the South China Sea, where it's been troubling its neighbors. And it's been, China's always been hostile to its neighbors. And um, so it does seem to be, be like everyone against china right now so i feel like the impact of um of uk china relations worsening would not be that bad in the long run
4: it would be a short-term impact so yeah so would that impact be worsened say
0: we had a second peak in with the covid 19 virus
2: i mean i think with a second peak obviously you know i think faith in our own government might go down there so you know it, I, I i'm not too sure if things you know will change like with a second peak because ultimately our economic kind of you know situation will, will go down it's it's unlikely that we're we'll have you know the recovery that's been forecasted um so it's it's likely i think that you know yeah I, I think we'll become more reliant on our trading partners you know to take in our exports to take in our goods so that you know we can try and prop up our economy um but i think if the thing is is that you know we could rely on china to do that but should we kind of go against our political morals i guess as a country you could say um you know we're, we're quite an inclusive nation as i said. You know we pride pride ourselves, you know, apparently on on being on being a nation, which allows its people to have a say in political decision-making. And, you know, we're, we're, we're quite a, a representative democracy and on some levels a participatory one as well. So I, I think the only thing is, is that if we start getting all desperate, if we have a second peak and start relying on China again, and kind of sucking up a little bit, is it possible that we go against our political morals? That, 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 that's my only concern. And, you know, That, I guess, depends on the politicians, you know, which one are they willing to go by a short term recovery or kind of going against the UK's political considerations. Perhaps, So they would have to go with the former. They'd just be resigned to do so. So it's an interesting one, which I don't really have an answer to at the moment.
4: Moving to Rishi Sunak's mini budget, did it bring enough confidence or was it just overhyped?
2: Um, I I think it's, you know, they they did hype it up as a bit of a, you know, kind of like a budget, didn't they? And I I, I think the only thing is about it is that, you know, perhaps we're still being a bit over-optimistic, you know, and that there are, there are um, concerns at the moment, you know, with the furlough scheme ending in October, redundancies are, you know, likely then to rise and I'm, you know, yes, he's put his put in his kind of two billion kicks, kicks kickstart scheme um, for sixteen to twenty four year olds, but I reckon that there's still a, still a kind of a lapse in, in the focus on the long term. I, I think it's kind of a lot of impressive different policies in the short term, but you know, something that I think the governments failed to do throughout the pandemic is provide a clear kind of a clear. A clear message for the future you know we thought everything was wrapping up things are opening up again, lockdowns you know pretty much been eased, and then there's you know this at the same time this talk of a second peak so you know is the government's kind of is the same can be applied to this economic situation and and, the, and with with, with soonX kind of splurging of money you know is it overly optimistic in the sense that we could have another peak and then everything goes haywire again so um, its I don't think it's it's I, I don't think it's really got to do with Rishi Sunak. I think th- the fact that his he's kind of failed to impress me, and maybe others, goes down to what the government's done, um, and the government's a lack of certainty almost.
3: Yeah, um, from what I've seen, like Rishi seems to be like extremely um, hell bent on like um, supporting his own like policy, but I feel like it does have a few problems. Like first of all. Um, There was a report by the Influential Institute for Fiscal Studies, Um, they're a think tank, and they they said that, uh, quote, um, a lot of, probably a majority of the job retention bonus money will go in respect of jobs that would have been, indeed already have been returned from furlough anyway. So if you think about it like that, it does not make sense. For them to be paying thousand pounds for every furloughed worker they retain past January. Aside from this, um, it has been called dead weight because um, the policy could is taking away a lot of money that could a lot of funds that could have been used um to support other policy decisions, especially uh, maybe uh, preparing for a second peak and stuff like that.
4: So is the
0: stuff in the hospitality, food and drink sector, i.e. the VAT cut and 50% off meals next month, enough for that industry, because that industry has been hit the hardest by
4: the coronavirus. Yeah, so... um
3: yeah, obviously the restaurant industry and the beverage industries ha- has been the hardest hit industry, aside from maybe travel, but it's picking up again recently. But yeah, anyways, um, yeah, I would say that the eat eat out scheme would be useful, but in the long run, how many people are gonna keep eating out every single week for um for how long the scheme uh, stays for? I think for a few months. Um, yeah, so. I'm not. I'm not fully sure how to answer that,
2: but yeah. Yeah, like I've I've kind of read that um, P- UK kind of consumers and the UK population kind of seem a bit less likely than those in other European nations and, and those in other richer economies to actually return to, um, to to return to restaurants to return to you know th- these kind of hospitality places. So. In that sense that the government needs to kind of somehow appeal to consumers to do so and I know that they're doing that with the the eat out to help out scheme but I don't think they're doing that's not doesn't seem to be enough at the moment it doesn't seem to be enough to incentivize consumers to get out so and and one of the things over the pandemic which is kind of um, people have struggled with is the lack of you know the, the lack of feeling comfortable the lack of feeling that they're going to enjoy their summer so I think the government needs to kind of appeal on that and you know and, and, and businesses as well they need to take the initiative to kind of appeal on the pe- what the people want so they want a place that you know it's 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 helping them be happy again and um it needs to frame their you know framing effects comes into play here they need to frame their products in this kind of a way to make sure that the uk consumers are not scared to go out they're not scared to to head out to to restaurants and cafes and shop retail shops um, that's what's got to change rather than things like eat out to help out because I know that helps consumers but it doesn't really nullify their fear of potentially you know, picking up the virus or something. So that's what needs to be reduced.
4: Well, there
0: has been a lot of advice from the government on getting back to work and of reopening these places. They've got lots of policies surrounding what you have to do if you go down from the two metre guideline to a 1.5 metre. So there's a lot of risk minimising stuff that you have to do. But the government, I think, hasn't done enough to give the confidence to people to say, yeah, you, you can feel safe going to the pub. Yeah, you can feel safe going to a restaurant. There's still, and I think this has come out from the new Stay Alert um slogan that the government has adopted it's confusing because stay alert to something you can't see it's i can see why a lot of people are com- confused
2: yeah I, I i agree with that and it it doesn't really help for you know another thing that the government said you know initially i'm not sure if you guys have been you know, going to the shops but not many people have been wearing masks and now obviously masks are mandatory that kind of indicates that you know perhaps things are going to get worse. You know, we didn't have to wear masks before, but now we have to. It's have things got worse again? So, yeah, they're kind of not really doing their job to make people feel safer. And I'm not advocating to not wear masks, but perhaps that points out that they should have made people wear masks beforehand, and maybe they made previous mistakes. So I think maybe their previous mistakes are starting to catch up to them now. So they've kind of got dug themselves into a hole, which um, they're struggling to get out of at the moment in terms of consumer confidence.
1: So do you think this whole um this whole eat out to help out scheme could help instigate a second peak of the coronavirus then?
3: Yeah, I feel like it could, but the thing is the scheme is meant for um when you take away in the first place. So I feel like it it wouldn't make such a, such a huge impact on the whole um like second peak stuff, but I feel like The opening of bars and pubs have a better advantage, or like have a better chance of instigating a second peak, because more people tend to go out, or as we've been seeing, more people tend to go out to bars and pubs than they have to restaurants. So yeah,
2: yeah, like I'd say that, you know, it goes back what Avi just said. That's quite a nice thing that we can't see the virus. It goes back, goes down to what we know and don't know, and we can do all the science that we want to do. And we can use all the you know expert advice that we want to, but ultimately, our knowledge about this is limited, and out of our desire to you know perhaps improve the economy, there is the danger of rushing into something based on limited knowledge and based on limited evidence and based on limited kind of you know ideas uh, about what's really going on and I think it's that uncertainty and people and uh, that will never really know what's going on will never really know if if the virus is you know big in this place or not not big in another as in you know if it's present somewhere and it's that kind of uncertainty that i think they're trying to combat by opening up restaurants and you know by trying to get people going again they're trying to basically you know get rid of their uncertainty in a manner which seems rather naive and rather kind of um you know hopeful at best almost so you know i I think this we we don't know if it's going to start a second peak, but perhaps that's the danger in itself that you know can we really act to just get rid of our uncertainty based completely on the economic situation?
1: yeah, I mean um, Rishi sunak also proposed a stamp duty cut on uh, properties of up to five hundred thousand pounds, I believe correct me if I'm wrong um. But, having said that, right move a couple of days ago confirmed that there's been an unexpected mini boom in house prices, so your average asking price is up two point four percent from before lockdown um, and buyer require uh, buyer inquiries are up by over seventy five percent so having said that, i mean would you guys would you guys think that the actual stamp duty cut is going to affect and stimulate um the property market or because what i have seen in my local area is the fact that stamp duty is down means that buyers are com- compensating for it by increasing their prices even though they might not necessarily get the stamp duty
0: so think that um stamp duty cut is not actually going to help first-time buyers or other buyers it's actually going to help the people who have money and are able to buy second houses at a lower rate of three percent I think it's going to help them more because this pandemic is, is going to affect the people who are earning the least, the most, and as every recession does. In September and October, we're seeing the reduction of the furlough. We could see increased unemployment, people not being able to pay their uh, rent or mortgages, and you're going to see more houses go up for sale. And I think in essence that's what the stamp duty cut is there for so people aren't paying that three percent or whatever it used to be they're saving that money when buying a house
3: yeah also for like first-time buyers and look when, when you're buying first your house for your first time you want it to be the best you can get it for like the best price like exactly how you want it and right now as much as they're giving incentives for um, people to buy houses um speaking on my previous point where i talked about how people would generally not have the confidence to like buy houses i would say um that first-time buyers will not be as confident in buying houses compared to people who relatively wealthier people who might have more money and might take advantage of the situation because um it's it's much, it costs them much less money to lose so so
0: Final question, guys. What shape does everyone think the recovery is going to be? V-U-L-W, a hockey stick uh,
4: or a Nike tick? <laughs>
2: um, you know what? I think it's going to be... I, I'm sort of a little hesitant about there being a second peak and lo- as long as we're careful, which obviously... But if, hypothetically, the government takes the perfect measures to make everyone safe and, the, and and kind of the likelihood of second peak diminishes, then I think it's likely that we'll see a pretty good recovery, at, at a pretty kind of um, steep upwards kind of gradient, you know, a pretty good recovery. Um, because, you know, we, we do have an economy that has performed well. We do have an economy that was improving after you know their potential fears about Brexit and we have one that would have been I think doing pretty well this year had this not happened so I think whilst um, whilst the virus kind of diminishes in its potential impacts on the economy the people of the country as I've said before are have been uncertain as certainty improves again that desire to go back to work that ability to use their skills and their their innovations and their desire to create products will increase again so i think that will really help the the recovery look like a, a strong one
4: so i'm gonna say that the shape is probably
0: gonna be more like a nike tick almost it will go down you'll spend a bit of time at the bottom and then we'll see a fairly pronounced and quick recovery provided there is no second peak and multiple local lockdowns How, however i think the v-shaped uh, recovery is out the window we're in a recession those are figures haven't come out it's it's uh we had negative double figures in in april for gdp so i i'm
4: i'm i'm a bit more i'm optimistic yet cautious at the same time
1: Yeah, I mean, I personally feel we're going to see, assuming there's not a second wave, we're going to see a U-shaped recovery uh, because although there's been these nominal discounts in the hospitality sector, I think confidence levels are quite low in terms of going to a hotel and staying there or even going outside to to eat out in a restaurant or a pub or a bar so that sector which is a key part a key part of the uk economy is going to take a lot of time to pick up before people start fully trusting at the level they were pre-covid 19 lockdown um having said that i think we'll see a steady recovery after that but we'll have to take into account brexit in the long term and how our trade deals fare out <laughs>
3: Yeah, I agree with um, Arsh's point on optimism. That, like, There's a fine line between optimism and being too optimistic. And as uh, he said about the Bank of England's predictions and how we were too optimistic in those, um, I feel like there's a chance that might happen again because um, as far as I can tell, a lot of people don't believe there's going to be a second wave. Hence why a lot of more people are leaving the house and stuff like that. But um, so for now, I think, that it's going to be a nike tick curve but um that does depend on whether or not we have a second wave and the impacts of brexit and um
4: uh, if the uk china tens- uh, tensions worsen even more that wraps up this week's podcast i'd like to thank orish lal rohit ramanan and our guest this week sakshan thanks for coming on guys